Hey friends, and welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls, a photographer and educator on a mission to help you find your passion, power, and purpose through entrepreneurship. So let's jump right into today's episode because this girl means business. Hello there and happy new year. We are on our last episode of the Girl Means Business podcast for 2020. Hopefully you have had a wonderful holiday season so far, spending time with family, relaxing, getting to enjoy some quiet moments. And now it's time to finish off 2020 with a bang. I am really excited for this week's episode. It's one of my favorite episodes of the year where we get to look back on some of our top episodes for the year, whether they are interviews, episodes that you really loved. I go back through all of the episodes for the year. I look at downloads and I go through feedback on what episodes I got the most interaction from on social media and in my inbox and DMs and all those things. And I've compiled a list of 10 episodes that are the perfect binge-worthy episodes. So if you are new to the Girl Means Business podcast, this is a perfect place to start to get you on your path for binging all of the best of 2020's interviews, topics, ideas, and conversations. If you've been a longtime listener, this might be a fun refresh for episodes that you want to go back and listen to again, or that you enjoyed and want to go back and take some notes on. So this is one of my favorite episodes of the whole year, and I'm so excited to dive right in. So these episodes are in no particular order. I have not ranked them from 1 to 10 or 10 to 1. They are just 10 of the best episodes from the year. And the first one was a solo episode I did recently, episode 75, all about hashtags, knowing when to use hashtags, how to find the best hashtags for your social media, which platforms work best for using hashtags. And I share a little behind-the-scenes story of a hashtag success I had this year on my Paisley Lane Photography account on Instagram. So let's listen in to a little clip from episode 75, How to Use Hashtags to Grow Your Following. So I want to kind of break down in this episode some of the things I've been doing with hashtags in the last couple of years that I've seen success from. But before I jump into those five things, I want to make sure that you understand how hashtags are being used. Because if you're not using them, you're probably not fully aware of the purpose and the value that they hold. So let me give you a little analogy. Hashtags are similar to pulling out a file cabinet drawer and having a ton of tabs all with different words on them. And when you open each folder, you have content that is related to that particular word. So if you pull out a file folder that is labeled summer, everything inside that file folder has to do with summer. If you pull out a file folder that is labeled 2020, everything inside that folder is related to 2020. That's the same thing with hashtags. When you go into Instagram and you type in, a word, you type in summer, all you're going to see is it's going to, it's going to pull up all of this content that's utilizing that hashtag and that term. So it's a way for Instagram to catalog all the content on its platform. 
it's a quick and easy way for you to find things that are relevant to your hashtag, relevant to your topic, relevant to your business, relevant to things that your ideal client are interested in. So hopefully you're starting to see how the dots all connect and why these hashtags are so important. So now let's get into the five strategies. So strategy number one is where do hashtags work? Now you heard me talk about Twitter being sort of the founding father of hashtags. And then Instagram is the one that really took it to the next level. But what about Facebook? I've had people ask me several times, can I use hashtags on Facebook? Yes and no. So let me clarify. Obviously on Instagram and Twitter, hashtags kind of run the show. Everybody uses them. Everybody's utilizing them to use as a search feature. It's not quite the same on Facebook for a couple of reasons. One, Facebook's search capabilities are a little more broad than Instagram and Twitter. So when you go into Facebook and you click on the little search toolbar and you type in keto food options, you're going to get Facebook group recommendations, you're going to get Facebook page recommendations, and you're going to get some hashtag recommendations. So Facebook search is a little bit broader than Instagram or Twitter. Now, to having said that, you can absolutely use hashtags on Facebook. They're just not as relevant as they are on other platforms. If you have spent much time listening to the Girl Means Business podcast, then you know that I love email marketing. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about. And in the first year of the podcast, I did a couple episodes on how to start an email list, email marketing 101, building a lead magnet, and more on those beginner topics. And this year, I really dove into how to nurture and grow your email list along with some sort of troubleshooting topics. And two episodes in particular on the email marketing topic made it into this year's top 10. The first one is episode number 49, how to nurture your email list. In this episode, I talked a lot about how to stay in contact with your audience, how to build relationships through your email list, and how to use your email list as more than just a sales tool. Now, before I go into episode 49's clip, I want to remind you that if you want to know more about email marketing or you're thinking to yourself, I love email marketing, but I don't know what to say to my audience all the time, I have two really great resources for you that I will link in the show notes. The first one is a free download. It's an email marketing starter kit. This starter kit is going to give you everything you need to get your email marketing going. It includes a quick overview on email marketing, a lead magnet template, and a five-part welcome sequence template so that you can introduce yourself to your audience and start building that connection right away. Now, if you want to take it a little step further, then I have the Inbox Insider Email Marketing Program. This is a one-year email marketing done-for-you program. You get it all at once. There's no weekly or monthly sign-ins and get your content. You get all your content up front, but you get an entire year of email marketing templates. These are weekly templates done for you. You just have to fill in the blank with your brand information, and it allows you to build relationships with your audience 
without you having to reinvent the wheel every single week. Plus, you get really amazing bonuses, including a subject line starter, how to build quizzes as lead magnets, which is a really great lead magnet option, power words, a sales sequence, all kinds of really amazing things built into that program, all for just $47. So you can head to growmeansbusiness.com forward slash inbox and get your inbox insider signed up so you can start the new year off really getting connected to your audience through email marketing. All right, let's jump into episode 49, how to nurture your email list. Okay, so a welcome sequence. Think of it like you meet a new friend at a party and you decide to go have coffee together. So that coffee date is your welcome sequence. It's when you get a chance to really kind of share your story, get to know each other. Guys, the whole purpose behind that email marketing is to build a two-way conversation. You want people to feel like that not only are they getting emails from you, but that they can always email you back as well. You want to open up that line of communication and this welcome sequence will do that. So with your welcome sequence, what I typically do is I have an email that as soon as somebody joins my list, they receive a welcome email from me that is personalized with their name, which Flowdesk allows you to do. And then it goes into a little bit about like who I am and what I can do to help them. It's very short. It's very sweet. It's not super lengthy. It's just a quick like, hey, welcome new friend. I'm so glad you're here. Here's who I am and what I can do for you. Then I have four additional emails that I follow up with over the next two weeks or so, and they are just helpful information emails. So for example, if someone comes into my email list from a wedding lead capture, then I have them put into the wedding welcome sequence specifically for brides or potential brides. And so my welcome email just says, hi, I'm Kendra. I'm your wedding. I'm a wedding photographer. It's so great that you're here, yada, yada, yada. Then I go into the second email, which comes after a couple of days because I don't want to bombard them. I don't want to overwhelm them with a ton of information right away. So I'm not going to go boom, boom, boom in five days with five emails. I like to space it out. And that just lets them know I'm not going to be one of those people that's in your inbox every single day. I'm only going to be here when I have something of value to offer you or something to say. And so you're setting up the expectations with them right away. And so in that second email, I'm going to have a, here are five of my top blog posts to help you plan your wedding day. And I'm going to have five blog posts with a little description under each one and they can click on and go to, and it's going to take them to my website where they'll see the content and hopefully see what I can offer for them as far as photography services. And then it goes on from there. So I create five emails with the final email basically saying, here's what you can expect from me moving forward. I'm not going to be in your inbox every single day. You will hear from me every week with tips and advice and helpful information. And then occasionally, if I'm running a special or promotion, I will let you know about it. If you ever have something you need, please feel free to always hit reply and let me know what it is that you need. This is not a one-way conversation. I want it to be a two-way relationship. And so in every email, I'm trying to get them to do something to come back and say something to me. And a lot of times they do, they will hit reply. They will say, Hey, thanks so much. I received this email. You know, I appreciate all the help or whatever they say, even if it's just a quick, like, Hey, thanks. I got your email. 
So your welcome sequence is like an extended first date with the people who are coming into your email list because you want to make sure that you wine and dine them a little bit and let them know like, hey, you want to be here. You want to read these emails. Make sure that you are paying attention when you see my name in your inbox. The second email marketing episode that ranked high this year was episode number 66, Four Reasons Your Emails Aren't Getting Opened. This was a really great episode because it answered a lot of questions that I know some of you have about email marketing and why your emails are not getting noticed. So in this episode, I go through four reasons, four sort of troubleshooting problems that can help your emails get more attention, that can help ensure your emails are landing in the right place and not in the spam or the junk folder, and gave you some really great tips on how to train your audience to look for and get excited about your emails so that they are looking for them inside their inbox. So let's take a listen to episode number 66, four reasons your emails aren't getting opened and how to fix it. So today I want to focus on some questions that I get about email marketing and two questions in particular. The first one is, what's a good open rate? Because my open rate feels really low and I want to make sure that I'm doing things right. That's a question I hear pretty often. And the second question kind of ties into that, which is why are my emails not being seen? Why are my emails not getting opened by my audience? And we're going to address some of the issues with that as well. But let's start with the first question about open rates. So I think there's a misconception that when you have an email list, that your open rate should be fairly high. You know, if you have 100 people on your email list and you're thinking all 100 are going to open this email or maybe even 75% of them are going to open the email. And then the reality is you see closer to 20 or 25%. It can be a little discouraging, but I want you to not let that discourage you because really guys, average open rates are in the 20% range. In fact, I pulled up an average email open rate by industry chart and Let me just give you a little bit of a a visual here. So on this chart, they have about 12 different uh, industries, electronics, software, media, health, retail, finance, education, real estate, and the open rate average. Now, on the lower end is the electronics. So let's talk about electronics being things like maybe Apple or Best Buy, Fry's, um, Samsung, Verizon, places like that. And I think the reason that they're at about a 19% is because it's not something people utilize on a normal, regular basis. Then you have retail. It's about 23%. So retail, you think about all the emails that you may get in your inbox from Gap, Banana Republic, Old Navy, Target, uh, Walmart, Kroger, any of those places that you're shopping, you're getting those emails pretty consistently. And their open rate on average is only 23%. So hopefully that gives you kind of a general idea of where your open rate should be. So if you have this list and you're sending out to it regularly and your open rate is only in the 20s, you're still doing really well. Don't let it discourage you. And I've had some that have been lower. I've had some that have been much higher. So there's a lot of factors that can determine the open rate, which we're going to get into in today's episode. But I wanted to start off by letting you know that if you are starting an email marketing campaign or email marketing within your business and you're nervous or hesitant about your open rates because they've been lower than you've expected, don't get discouraged. That's normal. That's the average. You're doing just fine. I promise. 
I've said it many times, but one of my favorite things about doing this podcast are all of the incredible people I've had the privilege of meeting and chatting with and getting to become friends with. And if it weren't for this podcast, I would not have a lot of the relationships and business friendships that I have with the women that have been on this show. It's also allowed me to be guests on other people's show. And it's just opened up an entire world of connections that did not exist prior to me starting this podcast. So I was really excited to see when going through the data for this year that y'all are enjoying these conversations as much as I am. So out of the top 10 episodes, seven of them were guest interviews, and I'm excited to share those top seven with you today. The first one was chatting with my good friend, Lauren from Salted Pages. She was going into information about SEO and copywriting and specifically how to create copy that is going to connect with your audience. She had some really great tips And if you're looking for a copywriter or someone to help you with landing page copy or creating website copy, definitely look into Lauren with Salted Pages because you are not going to find anybody else that can do such an amazing job. I have personally worked with her to create some landing pages and it's been phenomenal. So let's take a listen to some tips that she has on how to create great connection through your copywriting on your website. Hi, I'm Kendra and I'm a photographer and I would love to capture your special day and, or your family is amazing. Let's capture your family. Okay. Well, that's good and great. And the photos are beautiful, but what else do we need to have? How can we create copy that's going to make someone go, oh my gosh, this person's talking to me. Cause those are the websites that I connect with are the ones where I go to it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's talking directly to me. Like, it's like she wrote this talking to me. So how do we get that onto our own websites? Yes, that's a great question. So I think as, you know, people who are just very much in the deep water of our businesses, it's hard to get that outside perspective and to remember what it's like to be someone who is not an expert, who hasn't hired someone who does what you do. And that's where the need for having that super clear, transparent, and informative copy comes in. So although it can be helpful to talk about like you and your family, include some of those details, maybe on the about page, the real things that you need to include need to focus on your client. So on the homepage, for example, like the first thing that I always recommend that people see is a super clear uh, phrase that describes like exactly what you do what the transformation is and who you do it for. So for example, I wrote for a hair and makeup artist and um, her original site, I think like you would just kind of go in and it would say, you know, like, I'd love to work with you. We'll doll you up, make you look gorgeous. Um, But it was a lot of like we and my and like my services. And you often need to pivot that and focus more on the clients to talk about like you and like your wedding day or what it is that like they need. So for her site, like the first thing that we wrote was, mobile hair and makeup artistry that makes you feel stunningly confident. Because with the process with her, we realized that her clients, yes, they were hiring her for hair and makeup artistry, but like they wanted that because they wanted to be like spot on and confident um, and poignant for their wedding day or for their photo shoot that they were having for their business. And so that first thing that they see, that clients see now when they go to her website is all about like what it is that they'll get from working for her. So you see what it is that she does, mobile hair and makeup artistry, but then you see how it's going to help. And that's the fact that it will make you feel stunningly confident. So as your business, like you can think about what is it that I'm doing for them and how can I just like put that in like a phrase that will catch their attention. So that's like the first thing that I'll include on a header image or something like that as you're scrolling in. So it's, it's eye-catching, it's engaging. It tells you like right away what they do. And then just below that, I always have a more detailed version 
of like a mission statement or a value proposition where you're explaining in more depth, you know, who it is that you work for. So like if you're a copywriter for the wedding industry or you're a brand designer for um, maybe, what would you be a brand designer for? Just like local businesses or small businesses, women-run businesses, whatever it is, you want to expand a little bit more and talk about like what you do, what you do it for, and the transformation it provides. Like those are the three things you want people to see right away and you want to make it about them. So try and using less of we and I and me and more you and your, and this will make you feel this and this will help your business do this. So that's a a big uh, piece of advice that I have when it comes to that homepage and the first piece of content that people really see. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the Girl Means Business podcast for any amount of time, then you know my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee, no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. One of the most fun and exciting interviews I've done this year was with Ali Casaza from the Purpose Show podcast. She also creates incredible products and services for moms who want to simplify and declutter their lives. She is just an all-around amazing businesswoman, mom. She homeschools. She's created a completely, hugely successful business. She's recently written a book. There's just some, nothing this woman can't do. And I admire her so much. I look to her for inspiration. I look to her for guidance. And so having her on the show was a definite highlight of my year. And based on the downloads, you all really loved this episode as well. Her energy and her enthusiasm are definitely contagious. And if you want to know more about Allie, you can head to AllieCasaza.com or you can look up the Purpose Show podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Definitely check her out because she's got some amazing things, especially for this time of year when we've all gone through the holidays. There's more stuff in our house. We've gotten gifts from families and loved ones. And maybe this is a really great time for us to sort of declutter some of the things in our lives, both physically and also maybe mentally that are keeping us from living the life we want to live. So in this episode, Allie and I really talked a lot about that balance, that harmony. We, we decided we didn't like the word balance and the harmony was a better word, but finding sort of that harmony between working and motherhood and how to give space for creativity and how to not try to put ourselves or our businesses inside of a box and just allow things to come to us in a natural way. So let's take a listen to a quick clip from episode number 65, Work-Life Harmony with Ali Casaza. Yeah. So how do you help women 
kind of find that balance? What is it that you do for them? Yeah. So I think that one thing is that I have learned that's so beautiful and so simple and has really changed my life is working from a place of ease. So for example, if I'm going to work on a big project and I'm kind of, I'm excited about it and it's, I'm like aligned with it and I can't wait for it to come out into the world. But the fact is there's a lot of prep behind the scenes that needs to happen before it's ready. Um, going into like an office with like my desk and like sitting there like, okay, I have, I'm hunched over and I like have to work on this copy and I need to like make copy that really sells. Like I need to make sure I'm really converting them and like I'm freaking out and you're stressed and you're in this space and you're just like bogged down versus grabbing your laptop and your noise proof headphones, making yourself a skinny margarita, sitting in the backyard by the, all the plants in nature and like really asking yourself like, for this project, when I see these women hitting this sales page, what do I want for them? And letting it like come out of you. Like that's working from a place of ease. And so anytime, I just did this yesterday with my new thing that I'm launching next month. I got bogged down in the details and I was like taking this course about memberships and like all of these rules about like, do you want to make sure you do this and this? And I'm just sitting there like, this is going to be so much pre-recording and so much work. I feel like never mind. Like I don't even want to do this anymore. And I had to remind myself like, just because somebody is saying that this is the key to everything doesn't mean that it has to be the key for me. If this isn't feeling good, I'm going to, I'm going to change it. Cause I don't want to hate my business. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be trapped. So I stopped. I went to bed early and today I made an appointment with myself later today to like sit in my living room with my laptop, make myself some tea and like really just think about these women that I want to help and create information about this new program for them from a place of ease and flow. Um, Like I think sometimes, especially as women, we refuse to let anything be easy. I think we have some guilt around that or something. Um, And so like when you're working on something in your business and you want to make more money or have more reach, like how could you let this be easy? How could this feel really good for you? Because when it feels really good for you and you're working from a place of like enjoyment and abundance and ease, things come out of you so much better and people are really drawn to that. I really think that's a big secret for how I have such a large audience in a short amount of time um, is that I'm working from that place of ease and flow and authenticity and I don't really worry about all the numbers and all like webinars only convert at 4% or whatever. Like I just, I show up and I show up from a place of ease and people really, that's contagious. I feel slightly like a broken record in this episode, just going on and on about how much these episodes, these interviews, these conversations were so life-giving and exciting. And I loved how much you enjoyed them as well. And at the very beginning of last year, I did a series on healthy habits And I included this next clip, this next episode, which is episode 43, Dress to Fill Your Best with Jennifer Mackie Mary. And she approached me about being on the show. And I loved so much the idea of how we dress affecting our mindset, affecting our mood for the day. And coming from where I used to have to go to work nine to five and wear nice clothes and put on makeup and fix my hair and look presentable to a life of working from home. And especially in this last year when nobody was going anywhere and we all lived in stretchy pants and sweatshirts and t-shirts and tennis shoes, that it can be easy to lose yourself. It could be easy to forget, you know, how it feels to put on a cute outfit and, 
in this episode, she and I talked a lot about what that means and the definition of dressing nice and air quotes, um, and just how it really does affect our mental state. So let's take a listen to a clip from episode 43, Dress to Feel Your Best. And, you know, I also have, I used to get dressed every day and go to work in very, very image conscious environments. And now I stay home. My husband and I both work from home full time. We've moved to a small town. Like I have no reason to get dressed Mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. But here's what I know. There is a mindset shift that happens when you get dressed and look the way you like. Mm -hmm. And you look and you're like, I look cute. Even if you're in a cute sweatshirt and cute yoga pants, there is a mindset shift that happens. And so many women are robbing themselves of that mindset shift every single day. It's so true. And I don't think we think about that enough because too many times we are focused on, well, other things like our children. I know for me, a lot of times it's in the morning, it's chaos. It's lunches and getting kids dressed and teeth brushed and breakfast eaten and all that kind of stuff. And the last person, like I've walked out of the house in my house shoes because I literally am like, oh yeah, I don't have time for me. But when I take the time and I put on makeup and I fix my hair and I actually put on an outfit that like I put on dress pants the other day for the first time since I quit my teaching job. And I was like, I forgot how good these feel yeah. and like how good they make my butt look and like, yeah. you know, things like that. And I'm like, why don't I do this more often? And I see these other women who, you know, when I go out running errands in the day and there's these women who are out and they're fully dressed, in these cute outfits, and not that they are overdone, but they've taken the time to put on, you know, jeans and boots and a cute sweater and they put on makeup and even if their hair's not done, it's up in a cute messy bun or whatever they've done with it to make it, you know, look presentable. But they have a different confidence about them yep. than I do when I walk in in my sweatshirt and yoga pants and tennis shoes because it was just quick and easy. So I think there's definitely something like the quote you mentioned about, you know, it's the life you live in the dress instead of the dress. It's that's so true. And I think that I need to remind myself to take that time for me to put in that effort to getting the clothes that fit and the and then taking the time to wear them because it's so easy to slip out of that habit. It is. It is really easy to slip out of the habit. But I will say, and I've seen this with so many clients that I've worked with, I go shopping with them and they want to reinvent themselves, right? Like you said, you put on dress pants for the first time in ages and you're like, wait, these aren't the soul-crushing, uncomfortable pants I thought they were going to be. But if the reality is that on a random Tuesday, you're not going to put on dress pants, don't buy the dress pants. So, you know, I know you can't see everything I'm wearing today, but I've got an olive green, like half sleeve sweatshirt over a long sleeve t-shirt. I have on camo leggings and super duper cute sneakers. Uh, This is the life I live, right? Mm -hmm. I live a very, very casual life. My sneaker collection now way outpaces my heels by Mm -hmm. a long shot, (laughs) but I like the way I look everywhere I go. I think women have to reframe their idea of what dressing well means. Dressing well does not mean dressing up. It just means having really cute things that you love for the life you really live. I don't I don't need dress pants ever. I mean, my church is casual. My job is Mm -hmm. casual. When I do speaking engagements, I have a few things. I love dresses. So I have a few of those. I always have a little bit of that in my closet. But the reality is, you know, if I'm on a Thursday and the only place I'm going is like taking my mom to the doctor, I do like to 
dress up a little bit. I like to put myself together, but I'm not going for the blouse and the blazer. Yeah. I just make sure that I have really... And it goes, again, beyond cute. I have things that make me feel good for the life that I really live. Mm-hmm. And instead of just defaulting, like I think we have this idea that it's either sheath dresses or sweatpants. And there's no gray area. But we live in the age of athleisure. I mean, women have never, ever, ever had it so easy to look so good. Mm -hmm. I read in in Women's Wear Daily a couple of weeks ago that the sneaker market for women is actually outpacing sneaker market for men. And I walked into a DSW. You know, they always have that like front display Mm -hmm. of like what's cool now. Right. It was all sneakers for women. So this is a moment, like casual, comfortable is a moment, but it doesn't have to be sloppy and frumpy. It doesn't have to be. It can be super chic, super stylish. Um, You know, I just got a pop-up from Athleta on Facebook and there was this dress. I was like, oh, I have to have that. And you know, they showed someone like riding a bike in it. And I'm like, okay, well, probably not, but you know, because <laughs> I don't ride a bike, but no. whatever. But you know, the idea was you can have that look that you want and and still have that comfort and that utility that you really are going to go for. The next episode on our list follows right after the Dress to Fill Your Best episode with Jennifer Mary Mackey. And it's episode 44, Marketing Habits to Move Your Business Forward with Lee Carraher. This episode was one that I really enjoyed because we kind of dive into the basics of marketing your business. And it's nothing really new, nothing groundbreaking or earth shattering that we discuss, but just sort of the reiteration of the fact that all of these things that we are doing in our business, all these marketing efforts that we're putting in really do make a difference and that they take time, but that's okay. And so she talked also a lot about the intention behind your marketing and the why behind your marketing and the thought process behind your marketing. And it really just inspired me. Even though these are all marketing things I've talked about on the podcast before, you've probably heard from myself or other business owners, sometimes hearing it from a fresh perspective, a fresh voice, and just putting it all into a reminder of how important these things are all working together, it can jumpstart our year. And so I thought it was a great episode to lead off with in 2020 at the beginning of this year. And it's a great reminder here at the end of the year, going into 2021, just the power of basic marketing in our business. So let's take a listen. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey photographers, are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? Growing a business is tough. You're following all the successful photographers and experts, soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides, trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance, but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, 
along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one office hours where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. And then there's the community where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passion, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. Um, And what are the words? What are the words you want people to say about you? If you think about what you'd like people to say about you, that really helps. I want people to say that um, uh, it was unexpected. I want people to say that couldn't live without it. I want to see people to say the best service ever. I want people to say, thank God I spent the money on my photography. I want people to say whatever it is. So spend some time, journal this out. Like what are the things you want people to say about you? This is actually a great exercise to do as a group too. If you have, um, you know, friends who are in businesses Mm -hmm. or you friends who are like, are trying to, you know, all of us who have our own business, if we have friends who are like, how can I help you? Well, let me tell you how you can help me. Yeah. Would you please, I'm going to host a dinner or a cocktail or whatever it is. And, and here's how you can help me. We're going to work some worksheets. And the worst things are going to be, what would you say about me? Why would you come to my business? Why wouldn't you come to my business? Like, it's like the good stuff and the bad stuff mm-hmm. too, right? And, um, and tell your friends not to be nice, right? Tell your friends to be honest. Um, because, you know, if your friends can't tell you stuff, who can't? Right. You don't yeah. want to hear it from people you don't know, right? So, but that's how people can help you. Like, figure out these words, right? What do you want it to be? Um, and... Uh, that's the most important thing you can do in this whole process. It's like, what are people going to get? What do I stand for? What is the service I'm delivering? What is the experience deliver? And what do I want people to say, right, about me in my business? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do all those things at the front end, again, I'm going to send you a worksheet. Um, don't do any marketing before you figure those things out. Because right. marketing is hard. And most of us people who have businesses are not marketers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I have two books and I have a whole other business around my speaking. I'm the worst market in the world for myself, truly. But for other people, I'm awesome. So, um, you know, do that work first. It's hard, uh, but it's, you, it will pay off in dividends. Now, speaking of marketing habits, another one that we got into this year that I really got excited about was learning about video marketing. With TikTok and Instagram Reels taking off, everybody this year was producing videos, especially being stuck at home during quarantine. And we had all this free time on our hands to really dive into creating fun videos, consuming video content. So little did I know that earlier in the year when I had this conversation with Patricia Calicani, that video marketing would become such a huge part of our businesses, especially since we were no longer able to network in person and using video to get your information out there to connect with your audience on a personal level is so powerful. And so I think she had some really, really helpful tips on how to get started with video marketing in our business and not just in the context of social media, but she talked a lot about the idea of having video on our website so that when people visit our site, they see our face, they hear our voice, they connect with us in a way that other businesses are not doing. 
So let's take a quick listen to episode number 50, Video Marketing with Patricia Calicani. So many of our websites, you know, like you said, have text Mm-hmm. that introduce yourselves in a picture, hopefully, right? Mm-hmm, right. But the thing is, is with text, your ideal client brings their emotional baggage with them, right? So, so they will read that text based on how they're currently feeling. So let's say I'm on, someone's on my website and let's say I don't have a video and, um, and they're, ha- you know, they, they're exhausted. They had a bad day. Maybe their back hurts, whatever. So they're going to read the text and it's going to be like, Hey, I'm Patricia. I'm a filmmaker, blah, blah. I help you grow your business. Okay. Yada, yada. And it doesn't do what you want it to do for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So like instead, if you had a video, they push play and instead they see my smile, I'm greeting them all of a sudden, like when we see someone smile at us, it automatically lifts our mood. Right. And then I can personally greet them and you know, they can basically, I can evoke the emotion that I want them to feel. So I can even add music to help with this. Like we see this in films all the time, Uh right? And of course, you know, your personality comes out, all of that stuff. So you can literally have people experience the emotions that you want them to feel with your brand. And that's why I just, it's so powerful. And it's just, I love it. Like, that's, I just, yeah. That's so true. I never thought about that, but we do, we kind of, we read text through our own filter of how we're feeling that day. How that's so interesting. I love that. I love that. Okay. So you mentioned your video on your homepage. So let's kind of get into sort of the nitty gritty of the videos and how you think people should use them. So you mentioned the homepage thing. Do you think that that's something that every or most business owners should have as like a welcome video for your visitors to your site? Definitely. I, you know, especially like, you know, for photographers, like, um, any, even like dentists, doctors, like that basically the businesses where you have, you're booking clients and even really for product-based businesses. Like, I think people love to see the person behind the brand talking about it as well. So really whatever business you have, I think, a homepage video is a necessity. I think a homepage, like basically a website without a homepage is a client lost because you lose that connection. So, um, so yeah, you know, going back like to your podcast on the no like and trust factor, I remember you were talking about, okay, so, you know, if people are comparing photographers, let's say, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, both are talented. They both cost the same. And you, you mentioned that no like and trust factor. They're going to go with a person that they think they're going to like better, that they're going to trust. Mm-hmm. And I feel like video is what really will step you aside, like apart and from the other photographer or whatever business you have right. from your competitors, because that's where they can know, like, and trust you like in two minutes yeah, and they'll see your smile in action. They'll hear your voice. They'll like, just they'll experience you and they'll be like, Oh my goodness. Yes. I love this person. I am so going with her or him or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's like in one of my clients, um, with one of my clients, she's actually a dentist and like what dentist has a video on their website. Like, 
Yeah. None that I've ever seen. (laughs) Yeah. So we added video. We added a website banner video, which is like that background video with no audio, but it plays at the top and it usually will have like a call to action button on top. So, which is by the way, like one of the easiest videos to make and super powerful. And we also made a homepage video. So we see the dentist on camera saying, hi, welcome to such and such. And she talks about how she's different from her, like from the other dentists. Mm -hmm. And immediately after she added those videos, after we launched them, she got an influx of patients. And till this day, patients will still come in and be like, yeah, like we, you know, we were looking for a dentist for a grandma. And then when my sister and I saw your videos, we were like, uh, we need to come here too. So it's just, it's just a powerful way to really have your ideal clients experience you, experience your brand through video because it really is the closest thing we have to real life. Another favorite episode from this year was episode number 71, Creating a Content Rebellion with Haley Dale. This episode was so powerful because we are all creating content all the time. We can feel like sometimes we're on this content creation hamster wheel where we're just spinning, spinning, creating, creating, creating all the time. And so this conversation was really, really fun because it gave a fresh perspective on content creation and what we really need to be focusing on when it comes to creating content within our business. So let's take a quick listen to episode 71, Creating a Content Rebellion. So, okay, so you talk a little bit about like experimenting with your content. So let's dive into that because I think a lot of people will look at other people's contents, whether it's their blog or social media content, and they just see that finished result. They see like that really great piece of content or that really great post and they think, oh, they, they must have done that on their first try. How do I get to where I can do that on my first try? Like, what's the reality behind that? Stay with us. We'll be right back. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Reality behind that is there are a lot of crappy first drafts that go into that final polished version that you are seeing and a lot of practice. So comparing yourself against, you know, not just their finished draft, but maybe they've been at this a lot longer than you. And so you just to honor where you are in the journey and really honor that crappy first draft because I truly believe that the magic comes in the editing with any piece of content. Yeah, I'm, I have gotten better at that, but I used to be like, just write it and be done. <laughs> and yeah. I listened to, I think as Marie Forleo was talking, I think her, was, she was talking about email subject lines at the time, but how she'll make a list of like 30 before she actually gets the one that she uses. Mm-hmm. And when I started using that same approach of like, don't just go with the first one that pops into my head. Like I have found that I'm slowly getting better at it for coming from someone who doesn't feel like writing is my strong suit, that go back and revise and revise and revise has been huge. So 
what else? You talked a lot about like experimenting with different content. So talk a little more about that. Tell us kind of what that means and what that looks like. Yeah. So for me, I think like I work with a lot of clients and a lot of mastermind students who get stuck in their heads when it comes to content and really thinking that because they're not naturally a writer, because they're not naturally a content creator, that they are a failure at content, right? Because content doesn't just mean writing. It could also mean video. It could also mean podcasts like this one. You get to really find the type of content that suits you and how you like to show up for your audience and create content. And so I think the experimentation comes like you're not necessarily going to know what that thing is unless you let yourself experiment. And so for me, experimentation is a way of taking failure out of the equation. I think that so many of us, we judge ourselves on, you know, not producing that polished finished piece that we're maybe seeing other people come up with. And we're not embracing where we are in the journey. And we're also, you know, not allowing ourselves to experiment in our business. So for me, experimentation and designing experiments is just a way of approaching, trying on new things and not being obsessed with the outcome, not taking ownership of that failure. If it fails and it was an experiment, it was just the, you know, it was the experimentation that failed not me. And so I'm a huge fan of like with any new thing that you want to try, whether it's like, I want to go gung-ho on Instagram for this quarter or this 90 days, or I want to try video content, um, all about like turning that into an experiment rather than a like binary pass or fail, uh, strategy that you're going to put in your business. So experimentation, I think is, yeah, just frees you up to try new things and hopefully, you know, stumble upon that thing that is your thing when it comes to content. And last but not least, we have an episode that truly kind of epitomizes what 2020 might have been for a lot of us business owners. It's episode number 54, How to Teach What You Know Online with Brittany McBean. This was an episode we recorded sort of right after the shutdown, after the pandemic sort of became full force in March. And the idea was that we were all looking at a new normal for how our businesses were going to run whether we were a brick and mortar business having to close our doors and transition into an online business, or you were already an online business and you are transitioning into how to navigate differences within not being able to meet with clients in person or your industry slowing down. And so in this episode, we really dive into different ways you can utilize your skills whether it is a skill you're already utilizing in your business or in your what you do for a living or a skill that you have outside of that and how you can turn that into a profitable business or side business. So let's take a quick listen to episode 54, how to teach what you know online. You know, how you can, one, figure out what it is that you can offer people. Because I think there's some people sitting at home thinking, okay, I, you know, like you said, I'm a waiter at a restaurant or I um, am a musician or I'm a teacher or whatever, and I don't have a job right now. What can I do? What do I have to offer? So how can we kind of hone in on a skill that we might have available to help others in this time? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I have a couple different ways of thinking about this because I think at the end of the day, if we don't like, we don't have confidence in what we're teaching, you're just not going to going to bite the bullet and do it. So I want you to, I'm going to give you a couple of ways of thinking about the the best things you can teach. But um, I also just want to give you permission to say, I'm just doing this one thing just to like rip the bandaid and do it. But um, no matter what your profession is, 
I guarantee you there is something that you know how to do well enough that you can teach, that you can use to solve a problem that someone is having right now. So yeah, maybe you are a, um, a server in a restaurant and maybe that isn't the sexiest sell online to teach a class, like how to be the best server in the world. But um, maybe you've also built a tiny home before or you know how to tile a backsplash, or you're a really good knitter. Well, right now, people are stuck in their homes with extra time on their hands, and people are fixing up their homes. They're learning new skills. They're learning new hobbies. So you can solve a problem that way by teaching a skill or giving someone um, a step-by-step process that they otherwise would have really struggled to find. Um, so I want you to start thinking about, you know, your hobbies, your skill sets, all of that. Some are going to be more obvious than others. You know, like you said, like if you're a teacher, well, there's a lot of things you can teach right now. There are parents at home who are becoming teachers for the first time. So, I mean, you can get as creative and specific as you want. In fact, I would encourage specificity, but you can teach a class on how to set up a 10 by 10 home classroom for your child with ADD, right? Super specific. And there are plenty of people who are really scrambling right now to provide a specific um, education plan for a special needs child. Or even, you know, how do you, how do you write curriculum um, in a more creative way? Maybe you're going to teach teachers how to write curriculum. Um, you know, there, there are more obvious problems that people are having right now that you can think, how can I spin this or not spin as an icky word, but how can I position this to serve them in the specific problem that they're having? But, um, the reality is anything that you are good at, whether it's yoga or gardening or cooking or graphic design, somebody is looking to learn right now. So you can, you can kind of like just really reach the depths of your mind. Think about what you love doing, um, how you spend your free time on the weekend. Um, what do your friends text you and ask you about? You know, like I just ordered some seeds offline on Amazon because my daughter and I are going to kill some flowers. Like I just thought that'd be a fun thing to do. Like we could just try to grow some flowers. And um, my dad is a landscaper. So I've been texting him like, hey, what, what products do I need to get? What do I need to get on Amazon? What seeds are going to be good cutting flowers? What's going to be easier to grow? Um, I, want, I want a friend to tell me how to do this because mm-hmm. I have the time to do it but I also don't have the brain space to go like do all the Googling. So if somebody yes. showed up in my Facebook um, saying, Hey, I'm teaching a um, gardening class for $20, how you can start your own garden for the very first time ever, just using what you already have. I'd pull out my credit card in two seconds. So, um, you know, when you're just brainstorm, write down everything that you do was a hobby that your friends text you to ask you about that you do in your profession that you know at least the beginning steps well enough to articulate them back and you do not have to be an expert you just need to be two steps ahead of somebody else that's it all right guys so that does it that wraps up our last episode of 2020 it is our recap episode hopefully these 10 episodes have really inspired you to go back and listen to others Clearly, there are so many more from this year that I absolutely enjoyed that I know you all enjoyed listening to, and I've got some really exciting things coming in 2021. Don't forget that if there is a topic or an idea that you want to hear on this podcast, please feel free to reach out to me. You can find me 
at Girl Means Business on Instagram, send me a DM. You can email me at girlmeansbusinesspod at gmail.com, or you can head over to Facebook and send me a message through there as well. I'm always open to hearing your suggestions and ideas. I want to make sure I'm creating episodes that are really beneficial to you and to your business and to helping you grow and become everything you want to be in the new year. I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful New Year's, and I will see you back here next year, same time, same place. 